So I have something to share with you today that is deeply personal. And it's a story about one of the most extraordinary people that I have ever had the chance to know. And specifically, two things that she told me that forever changed me, and I believe will forever change you as well. And as we get started, I'll, I'll let you know in advance, we are taking a detour outside of the world of basketball, but we will circle back because the two things that she told me can have a deeper impact on your basketball career than uh, just about anything else that I could tell you. So this person, I'll start it off this way. So you may know somebody right now or uh, have somebody in your circle that you can say not a single bad word about, and probably neither can anybody else. They are just such a deeply uh, wonderful human being that there's nothing bad to be said about them. And I had an aunt named Allison who recently passed away that is this way. She truly was like the only way that I could describe her is an unstoppable force of unconditional love. She was just this, um, I, I remember <laughs> when she would walk into a room, and this sounds a little bit strange, but she would walk into a room almost as though she had a halo over her head. She was like this beam of light. And maybe you've met people like this. I know it sounds a little bit funny to say, but if you've met somebody like this, you know what I'm talking about. And she was the first example of a, a genuinely spiritual human being, like a really spiritual, not the uh, takes on spirituality as a style, but actually deeply spiritual. And so to tell you a little bit more about this aunt before I share with you the advice that she gave to me, <laughs> she, <laughs> it's, it's funny thinking back, but she always had purple hair, okay? As long as I had known her my entire life, she always had purple hair and only wore purple clothes. She had jewelry on with like purple gemstones in it. And uh, she, when she passed away, actually, her family, uh, instead of um, rest in peace, they said rest in purple. And she just always wore these like long flowing purple, beautiful robes and was like in the best sense of the word, a hippie. She came up through the 60s and 70s and was like true through and through a hippie. So anyhow, at, uh, at one point in my life, it was early 2013 and I was going through a really, really rough patch. I had just split up with a, a serious girlfriend and left home to travel. And I traveled through Columbia, I think, and uh, traveled through California and, and various other places. And I was feeling really lost, actually lost and, and depressed and, and just, um, I was not in a good state. And so she invited me to come stay with her in her place in Santa Barbara. And she actually had this like really beautiful, uh, essentially on the side of a cliff in Santa Barbara where they lived and they had these cottages on it where different members of their family would stay and friends would stay. Actually, the piece of land was owned by a member of the Beach Boys. <laughs> and, and so you can imagine it is really, really beautiful piece of land and uh, overlooking the ocean. And so anyhow, I go to her place in Santa Barbara and I get to stay in one of these cottages for I think probably a week or so. And each night I would go over to her little cottage where of course the walls were all purple and she had this, she had this giant teddy bear, like life size, bear sized teddy bear that uh, hung from the ceiling and she named him Fluff Daddy and had like fake bling on and he had like a purple bandana. And <laughs> so anyway, you can, you can imagine this scene like through and through hippie compound. 
And so I, I walk over each night to her little cottage and we'd sit there and we'd just talk about what I was going through and things she was going through. And one night she said something to me that really, at the time I didn't totally understand it and understand the depth of it. She did, of course, uh, which is why she shared it with me. But she said something I'll never forget. She said, find your art, find your art. And at the time I was really struggling to figure out what I wanted to do. I was running elite guard training and it was in the early stages, relatively early stages. Um, I was writing a lot, but I wasn't sure where that was going. I, I, in general, I was just lost in every aspect of my life. And she said, the, the secret is to find your art and not only find your art, but find your art and make it your life, find your art and make it your life. Now, I have since done that, actually. What you're seeing right now is my form of art. Deep Game is my art, and it is truly my life, like through and through to the deepest part of myself. This is what I love to do. And before I was running Deep Game, I was doing this stuff on my own for free. So um, as you think about this concept, find your art, Let's go a little bit deeper into what does that actually mean? Because it's profound if you really, really think this through. So the greatest artists, the greatest artists and all artists actually, probably, um, <laughs> well, I know this has been true for me and for, for most of the artists that I know, the greatest artists, before they were professional artists, they were doing their art for free. It's the thing that they would show up each and every day and do for free, whether they were getting paid for it or not, whether they were getting uh, recognition for it or not, whether it was just some little secret thing that they liked to do. Maybe like when I was a child, I loved to sketch. I would sketch every single day. There was no ulterior motive. I didn't have any plans to become a sketch artist and get paid for it. I would just love to sketch, and so I sketched. And uh, it's actually something that I've taken up recently again, but back then it was just what I loved to do. And so I did it. That was my art at the time. And when we first start off playing basketball, it really is done in that spirit. Most of us, uh, the first few times we touch a ball have no plans on being an NBA player or anything like that. We just love the feeling of being out on the court, the feeling of the ball, the like trying to make shots for the first time. And this, there's, there's this like such an innocence to it. And there's a love in that. And so naturally, we, uh, as we progress, we kind of get brainwashed into thinking like it's all about playing professionally or getting college offers and getting scholarships and getting recognition and proving everybody wrong and all of these things that completely miss the point of the art form itself. And so we lose that connection with the art. We lose the connection and we lose the love for it. And so in finding your art again let's let's think about like how the greatest art is made well the greatest art is made by showing up each and every day for the simple sake of of loving the art itself of creating the art like i said i would i would do this for free if i wasn't getting paid for it with deep game and it's simply because I love to do this. I love to do this. And when I was a child, when I was sketching, I loved to do it. There was no, nobody's paying me for my little sketches, nobody. So 
It was simply because I love to do it. And this is the true law of mastery in deep game. Law number seven, which I, I believe is the most important one for your long-term basketball success. The law of mastery states that the game rewards the player who needs no reward other than the game itself. And the greatest artists are, um, the true reward is simply their art of showing up every day and like performing their art, whatever it may be, painting, sketching, basketball, music, uh, speaking, writing, anything like that, business, uh, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And when you approach your craft, your game in this way, it's when the best art is made. And so let's go a little bit deeper. The greatest art is made, you may have noticed, uh, if you have ever painted or sketched or written or, or any form of art like that, or during your best games. The greatest art is made spontaneously. It's not pre-planned, okay? And so often, uh, I'll, um, <laughs> players, when they sink into this state of the zone, they find themselves performing moves that they've never practiced before. They find themselves doing things that they <clears throat> don't pre-plan at all. They're just happening completely in the moment. And it's almost like the, the player has disappeared and something else is coming through. And that something else is the art itself. The art is coming through. When you watch Kyrie Irving, who has called himself an artist many times and has been teased for it, but like when you watch him play, you can see that actually. You can see the artistry because his game is happening so intuitively and spontaneously in the same way that a painter will show up and have maybe some like vague idea in their mind of what they want to, to paint, but as they get started, they find brand new things materializing that they never could have conceived of before. And most recently, um, I, I've been shown this in my own life where I've, I've started to sketch again, actually. And um, for a little while, I was doing one sketch a day. That was my routine. And uh, there was a few other components to it, but I would sit down with a little book and I would just sketch with a pen every day. And each day I noticed that the, the best sketches that I created, I had no idea what I was gonna sketch when I started. I had some vague idea of like, here's where to start. And the more I could just step out of the way and just allow it to come through, the greater the sketch would be in the end. And it's, <laughs> this is like, uh, let's use the law of reverse effort, for example, when you are, uh, the law of reverse effort states that the harder you try to play well, the more difficult the game becomes. The harder I try to sketch a certain thing, the more difficult it is to like make that sketch really come to life and make the magic come through. The harder you try to control the game of basketball and pre-plan everything that you're doing, the more difficult the game becomes. And your best games are when you step onto the floor and let the artistry come through. Just sink into the, the love of playing the game itself, the love of performing your art. And... <clears throat> allow the game to happen spontaneously through you. And you do this through practicing, of course, the deep game. And, and uh, step number one there is literally to show up in the spirit of an artist, to find your art, if that's basketball, to find your art and make that your life. Make the art 
your life, not the hope of someday being recognized for your artistry, not the hope of uh, somebody paying you to perform your art. Those things are completely and totally secondary to the art form itself. And if you are not doing this for the sake of the artistry and the spirit of the artist who shows up every day because they love the art and they love seeing that spontaneous magic that comes through, then you're, you haven't found your art yet, <laughs> okay? And my wish for you is that you find that thing, that, that thing that you would do for free each and every day with no expectation of any reward at the end because the act of the art itself is the reward. The game rewards the player who needs no reward other than the game itself. So she said this to me back in 2013 and I, <laughs> it's funny, I, I want to say that I didn't understand it fully until now, but it's one of those statements that's so deep that I know that there's aspects of it I still don't understand. And I will continue to unfold that statement that she made back then for the rest of my life. And um, your art at, at its highest form is a vehicle for your development as a human being. It will teach you how to be in the world. And this is, <laughs> to pull it back into the deep game once again, law number eight <laughs> is the law of transcendence, right? And the law of transcendence states that basketball is not life. It is a teacher of life. And all of the greatest artists know that their art is their greatest teacher. And so approach the game of basketball in this way as a student of life and allow it to, to share its teachings with you. So she told me this. And uh, later on, I, I left her little compound, this like little slice of heaven on earth. And I, I went about my life and traveled and I would see her. She lived out in Santa Barbara and I, I lived in Toronto. And well, actually, I didn't really live anywhere at the time I was traveling. And so we saw each other maybe once a year or something like that. And uh, time went on. And actually in 2019, so I, I guess this was a few weeks before my birthday in 2019, she passed away and she had been struggling with cancer for uh, about 15 years, actually. And she was, it, it really blew me away how she, how much grace she handled it with because the form of cancer she had, and she had uh, very, several different forms actually, but at its, at its worst, it was in her spine. And so you can imagine how painful that was on a daily basis. She was in constant, constant pain, constant nausea from the drugs. And, um, you know, she basically, <laughs> I don't know how she did it. Uh, I'll leave it there. I, I have no idea how she did it, but she showed up every single day. And when you saw her, she was that same beam of light that she was before. And yes, she was a little bit more tired and, uh, but that, that light still came through her and she was still just as loving. And, uh, you would see, uh, I remember going out to, uh, restaurants with her, even at the tail end of her life going out to restaurants with her and like every waiter and waitress in the restaurant knew her and loved her and would like come up and give her a big hug and she'd ask them about their lives and they would just be beaming just simply because they were in her presence. And so before she passed away, um, this was, like I said, in May of 2019, a few, a few weeks before my birthday, she had one parting piece of wisdom and she gave this uh, advice to everybody in her family and her, her final uh, words about what life was truly about as she saw it. What it all came back to and what life was truly about, how to live the best life, her final piece of advice was simply be in service. 
be in service. And she said, that's what it's all about in the end. Like that is what it is truly, truly about, be in service. What that means is essentially to be in service to others. And the more you put yourself in service to others, the greater your life will be. And I, I've definitely, especially in the past year, but um, I've noticed this for quite a while now, is that the people who struggle the most in whatever they're doing, and, and basketball is no exception, um, basketball players are no exception, the people who struggle the most are the most self-concerned. They're constantly concerned with like, how can I get what I want? Why am I not getting what I want? How can I angle myself to get what I want? And uh, concerned with their own problems, their own desires, their own, their own demons, and, and so on and so forth. The people who struggle the most are always the most self-concerned. And I say struggle when, when, I, when I say struggle, I'm also talking about very uh, outwardly successful people. So even some very wealthy and uh, people that you would consider successful by society standards. These are people who struggle, many of them struggle more than most people that I know. And so struggle is... Uh, is a term that goes beyond the like base level, you know, financial and material success. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like really internally struggling with life. And inevitably, it's always the people who are the most self-concerned. They're constantly thinking about themselves and their own wants and desires and aversions and cravings and so on and so forth. Allison was somebody who like, of course she thought of herself, but even when she was struggling her the most, like when she was going through this cancer treatment and uh, just in, in pain that I, I can't even conceive of, quite honestly, she still, every time you spoke to her, all she wanted to talk about was you and what you were going through. And the it was like she was just always beaming this love out to whoever she was around. And it was just jaw-dropping to be around. It's somebody who um, was experiencing more pain than I think probably anybody that I've ever known. And yet her self-concern was lower than anybody else that I've ever known. She still continuously was constantly all about just being of service to everybody that she came around. And so... <laughs> You probably see this in basketball. Uh, this is in deep game, we call this the law of magnetism. And the law of magnetism states that uh, the game comes to the player who does not try to pull the game towards himself, okay? The game comes to the player who does not try to pull the game towards himself. And we see this with people that, um, well, let's go back to basketball quickly. In the game, the or in any game, the more you try to think about how many points do I want to score and how many points do I currently have and like how can I score more points, that sort of line of thinking, how can I get mine in the game, how can I get mine, the more you are uh, thinking in those terms, the more the game runs away from you and you literally can feel it slipping away. Like if you want to score 20 points and maybe at the end of the first quarter you only have two and then you're thinking, okay, well, I need 18. So you go out in the second quarter and you uh, try to force things and you try to like, you're, you're getting more and more frustrated because the ball's not being swung your way and you, you're not asserting yourself. Your other teammates are scoring more than you and you're fading into the background and you're thinking like, I need the ball, I need the ball, I need the ball. Your coach takes you out. You're on the bench thinking, well, how am I going to score my 
420 now. That sort of line of thinking <laughs> is one of the most toxic and one of the most devastating to your game and to your life as a whole. When we extrapolate this out into your everyday life, this is the person who is the most self-concerned and the most self-concerned person is the one who's struggling the most. And so the way to overcome that struggle, the, the fastest way to, to overcome your own problems is to help somebody else with theirs. And this isn't some esoteric concept. You literally will find that as soon as you kind of get out of the way of your own problems and start helping somebody else with theirs, it gives you the space for your own problems to resolve themselves. And if you do want to get esoteric and, and speak about things like the law of karma, this is something that humans have been talking about for thousands of years. And, um, you know, the, we, we won't get too far into that because we'll, we'll get off track here. But the fastest way to get out of your own way is to help somebody else. And so she lived that way as a practice, as an ongoing practice. And her final words of advice, what uh, she felt life was all about is simply being in service, putting yourself in service to others. And when we fuse these two things, we find that uh, the real magic happens. The two things that she said to me, find your art and make it your life and being in service. When you fuse these two things together and you realize that if you find your art and make it your life and beyond that, make it your act of service to the world, that is how the magic of your life will truly be born, okay? When you find your art form, <laughs> and you approach that art form in the spirit of a true artist, not in the spirit of somebody trying to get a result from doing the art. The art is the like reward in and of itself. When you approach it in that way, and you make that form of art your service to the world in the same way that Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan uh, literally have inspired how many people, like you can't put a number on it, it's countless, countless over generations. I can tell you right now, Deep Game would not exist without Kobe Bryant. Like that is very clear. So you can see that like Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, they found their art, they made it their life and they were, their art form was literally an act of service to the world. And simply them doing their art was the service because it would inspire other people. When you approach it in that way, the magic of your life really comes through. And it's not by... Um, how can I optimize my basketball career so that I can get the most recognition and make the most money? It's not about how can I get mine in this? How can I score my points and uh, get what I want, want to out of this game? It's not about that at all. <laughs> like those things are completely to miss the point. And it's like chasing your shadow. There's always, always, always gonna be more and more and more that you want. And you're gonna constantly be chasing it forever and ever and ever come back to right now. What is it that you love to do? Find your art, make that your life and put that art form in the service of others. And uh, for me, that's what uh, like these talks are all about for me. And the entire purpose of Deep Game is literally that. It is my art form. It is my act of service to the world. In the Deep Game program, we actually, uh, in uh, I think it's week six, so the week that we cover the law of magnetism when we, and we go really, really deep on the law of magnetism, we actually make this a requirement. And so we call this, and 
each week we install these these big like keystone habits, okay, that build upon one another. And in week six, that habit is actually an act of service every single day, even if it's just something small. So let's say like uh, making dinner for your mom, you know, like something really simple like that. When uh, you see the garbage on the side of the road, like pulling it into the house and putting the garbage cans away after it's been taken away. Like something really, really simple like that. Just uh, finding these little moments to be in service to others. And you will find that that self-concern starts to dissolve and you start to literally be that like beam of light in the world as Allison was. And uh, she, I, I believe it was May 13th that she passed away finally. And... Um, <laughs> She is still, she is still with each and every one of us each and every day. She's actually, I have like a wall of mentors right here uh, beside me. You can't see it, but there are um, 10 photographs on my wall and she is, <laughs> all of the photographs are, are of my teachers and Kobe's up there at the top. There's Alan Watts and Dalai Lama and Shinzen Young, Paul Cech and uh, you know, all of my main teachers of my life are on this wall. And Allison is right there. All of the photos are in black and white, except for her hair, which is purple. <laughs> and she has been one of the greatest teachers of my life and still is with uh, all of us to this day. And uh, my, my prayer for you today is that you find your art, make it your life and be in service because uh, it, it has absolutely changed me forever. Those, those words of wisdom that she passed on and um, I pray that you do the same, okay? So find your art, make it your life and be in service.